0: during these weeks where we're doing something very different. If you noticed, um, normally we have something called story space that happens right now where someone will give a little bit of a glimpse into where Jesus is shaping or sending them. Instead of that, during these four weeks of Advent, we have amplified that. So I'm just going to be sharing with you just for a few moments and then over the next four weeks, and I'll talk about this just a little bit more soon, um, over the next four weeks we're going to be talking um, a little bit more at length with people about their own experiences. Um, in the midst of, of Advent. So as we've mentioned a couple times, Advent simply means the coming, um, the advent of Jesus, the coming of Jesus into the world. And, and uh, if you think about what's worth celebrating, many of you had celebrations over Thanksgiving. And if you woke up on, on Thanksgiving morning, and, and this is okay if this is what you did, so don't take this the wrong way. But if you woke up on Thanksgiving morning, you're like, huh, it's Thanksgiving. What are we going to do today? We're going to, like, do you want to, what are we going to eat, you know? Um, For many of you, you'd be like, well, you're not ready. You're not ready to celebrate, you know, because to have a big feast, it takes preparation. And at one point, the the global church realized that, you know what, to celebrate the coming of Jesus, it it actually takes preparation. Not just, hey, Christmas is here, boom, let's get into the Christmas spirit. But to, to receive Jesus, in the story of the scriptures, there was time of preparation, there was a time to, to understand that, that I need to get myself ready if I want to celebrate well. How many of you had frozen turkeys that you might have had to get out by, what, Wednesday and start that thing going? Like to thaw it or whatever, Thursday? Oh, no, Wednesday, Tuesday. Sorry, I was thinking it was a weekend holiday. You know, you got to get it out multiple days. You have to prepare in advance for something to happen. And so, so the Advent season is a season of preparation and expectation. We're waiting. We embrace longing. The need for God to come, but also the understanding that we want to be in the right place in both heart and spirit and, um, and the way of life that we're living so that we can actually receive Jesus into our lives. Uh, but waiting is really, really difficult. Just think for, for those of you, uh, when you get a message that says, uh, we apologize, but we've run into a slight problem with your Amazon, Amazon shipment, and it will not be here until tomorrow. Now, you only ordered it this morning. <laughs> and how many of you are like, oh my gosh, how am I going to... Okay, I guess I can figure out a way to live. We can make it through this. you know. Like, we have a lot of problems with being patient. We have a lot of problems with embracing seasons of waiting, seasons where what we long for has not yet come to pass. Okay? So, the beginning of, of the story of Jesus coming in the Gospels comes on the tail end of times of waiting that weren't easy. So Malachi is the last book, uh, the last prophet that we have from the Old Testament and the the prophets would call forth times of hope and, and a day where one day God would come and be faithful to the original promise of Abraham to restore his people in fullness Okay, and so, so prophets would come and their job was to say, get right. It was mostly, they would mostly look at the Jewish people and say, you are mistreating each other. You are not honoring the way of life that God created for you to live. And therefore, you're going to miss this. You're, you're moving away from the direction of God. So get your heart and mind back together to what God intends. And so they often brought these harsh messages, but they were often messages of hope. But as you long for it, don't lose faith. Because God will be faithful over and over and over again. So Malachi um, gives this this prophetic word and he's he's focused. And the final words in the book of Malachi, um, the final two verses are, I will send the prophet Elijah. Now Elijah's already come. So he's talking about another Elijah. I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. That is not necessarily a very hopeful-sounding thing in our minds. And we're not going to dive into that because we're not talking about Old Testament views and understandings today. But I will say, I want you to catch that second sentence. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents. Okay? This was words that echoed with God's people, the final words of their Bible. Okay? And then there is silence. For 400 years. 400 years. Some scholars call it the intertestamental period. Between the Old and New Testament. Other people call it the 400 years of silence. It was when God's people waited. And waited. And nothing happened. Well actually a lot of things happened. But no prophets rose up. No strong words from God. Instead. What happened happened was that the Jews saw Persian rule take over. Alexander the Great and the Greeks came in. The Jews were forbidden to practice religion. Um, and the temple in Jerusalem had been turned into a pagan shrine. This is what happened during these years. There was a revolt by a guy named Judas Maccabeus. And, and, and it worked. They overthrew everybody. And it was bloody. And it was all this revolution. And they, they restored the temple temporarily. But what happens often on the tail side of this, is that those in leadership became corrupt themselves and even started to oppress their own people. And so the Jewish people cried out to Rome to restore order. And so Rome did that in the only way that they knew how, which was occupation. And so so what we get is we get this story of God's people seeing only darkness, only silence. The promises that once were held of one day God would come and set things right. One day God would come and send One who would turn things around and restore the kingdom. It just started to sound emptier and quieter and further and further and further away. Think about something someone said in the 1600s. That's what we're talking about, friends. There was silence, generations of it. And this is the story. So in the midst of this, Herod uh, was appointed the king um, and and, uh, he was kind of a Jewish ruler who did not rule on behalf of the Jewish people, only over them. And, uh, and his son, Herod Antipas, was the one who eventually would kill John the Baptist because John challenged his integrity as a leader. And so this is, this is the story that we get. Um, things didn't work like they were supposed to. Uh, even the revolt didn't work like it was supposed to. And so in these quiet moments, it feels so dark to God's people. Um, God is absent, the once-given promises have much, mostly been forgotten. Um, and where there were once regular reminders through the prophets of, of God's faithfulness, instead, there was only the noticeable absence of them. And I don't know if you've been there. If you've been there where words that once may be intended to give hope and yet don't because life situations simply feel like they've been pushing you in the opposite direction and, and you become kind of acutely aware that whatever is happening in your life does not seem to be in line with God's hope for the world. And it just feels dark, and it just feels quiet. Uh, first, rest assured that you're not alone. This was the story of God's people. You are not alone. But second, that's not the end of the story. So in the midst of all of this waiting, all of this silence, it came to an end with almost impossible to receive news. So in the book of Luke, um, the Jewish people thought they were forgotten. But what we're told is this tiny little story that starts with an angel. And he comes up to this guy. And this guy was named Zechariah. And he was a priest that was serving in the temple during the reign of Herod the Great. right? And Gabriel comes and he says to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah, because you have actually been thinking about this holy longing, this waiting, this silence, and you've been praying for it, and your prayer has been answered. I'm going to send somebody. In fact, your wife is going to bear you a son, and he's going to be named John. This is John the Baptist's dad, okay? And so this is the beginning of the story. But listen, (coughs) I hope you remember that second sentence I told you before, the final words of the Old Testament. Listen to what Gabriel says, or to what the angel says. This one who's coming will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So he uses the exact same words, exact same words as the final words that had been spoken 400 years ago and says, hey, I know you've lost hope in this, but something's coming. Don't give up. And so Zechariah, who has had much faith um, in wanting and longing for this, actually has a little bit of a hiccup in the journey, where he struggles to grasp this and how it's possible, and he kind of questions the angel. And the angel, uh, depending on how you read this, either says, I'm going to teach you a lesson, or, um, well, this is going to be a sign. So whether it was a sign or an opportunity for growth, uh, Zechariah's mouth is muted for the next nine months. Okay? And so what ends up happening is during this waiting time then, something, something happens deep in Zechariah's heart, and he becomes aware of just how beautiful and special this is. And so in, later on in the book of Luke, he cries out with the song after they say, what's his name supposed to be? And, and, uh, and his wife says, his name's supposed to be John. And, and everybody says, yes, but we need to, to know what his wife's name is, so we're going to ask the man. So, so she gets just run over, and they say, let's ask somebody who, who really has some authority here. And thankfully, he comes to her rescue and says, his name is John, he writes. And as soon as he writes it, his mouth opens up, and he says, I'm going to proclaim the goodness of God. And it's called Zechariah's song. And so for all these verses, it says that he's given like a, a spirit of prophecy. And he says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come to redeem his people. He's raised up a powerful horn of salvation in the house of his servant David and he just goes in and he talks about God's mercy and, and, and how they are going to be rescued and there is hope coming that has not been seen for so long. And then he, he goes on, he says, you my child will be called a prophet, and he's talking about D, uh, to John, his, his own son that's coming. We call a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. God, you are coming to those of us who have been living in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace, shalom, wholeness. So, one of the promises of Jesus coming in the Gospels is that in the midst of a hopeless situation that is incredibly painful, God comes and he speaks a future. All right, Ken and Denise, come on up. So during these, uh, during these weeks, I've asked several people within our community who've had significant experiences of transformation and of, of Jesus entering their world in new ways to come and, and, and essentially chat with me. So we're going to kind of do the Jimmy Fallon thing here. And... Uh, And you guys can have a seat there. I will sit in the orange. And you are going to tell us your story. Uh, Several years ago, um, Denise went through a significant experience in her own life that left both she and Ken uh, changed. And so, uh, let's see. I'll put that up there. There you go. Just make you... Larger. <laughs> yeah. So, Denise, why don't, you just, uh, why don't you just tell us the story, I guess, of what happened two years ago in, in your lives.
1: Okay. Um, I was going to have a knee replaced. That was the plan. And I'd already had my other knee done a year before, so this was the beginning of a new life for us. I was going to be able to walk around without pain. We could enjoy our retirement. So I got my knee done. I had you know, 13 staples down my knee. And then um, a week later, I got violently ill and went by ambulance to the hospital and they operated on me, six and a half hour surgery. I almost died. I woke up with um, a bag. I lost like 80% of my large intestine. I lost my spleen. I, I wanted to die. <laughs> yeah. Keith knows because he came and saw me in ICU, and I, I just said, I want to die. I'd, that's the only prayer I had was, yeah. please take me. Yeah. I just didn't want to live anymore.
0: In the, a moment like that, um, life changes. That becomes a, a moment of, of that being your desire because of the pain and hopelessness that you have it. You walk away with that being a point in life where there's a leading up to that point, and the, from that point on, that's how significant a moment like that is. I can imagine for you.
1: Hmm. Um, and it's not like we didn't have any pain in our life beforehand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you no, know, death of parents and kids stuff, and <laughs> I was divorced. I mean, I, I've had pain in my life. Yeah. But nothing like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. The depths um, when I when I saw you, I remember. Um, I remember looking into your eyes, and Ken and I talked about it afterwards and and the uh, the light was gone in those moments yeah. um, and and both of us both of us honestly wondered if 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 you were going to get your 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 prayer at that point yeah. um, do you want to keep telling the story or Ken do you want to weigh in mm-hmm. on anything about mm-hmm. okay. okay yeah why don't you just keep going right now Denise so so that began, that was not the end of, no. that was not just, hey, and then it turned around and it was easy.
1: No, then I had, I had three months of mechanical failures and terrible, terrible things happening. And that, but I kept holding on to, they could reverse the um, ostomy and I would end up not having a bag. So that was like my goal. Hmm. So um, I had the surgery and then it was not good. <laughs> I got really sick. They didn't right. know what was wrong with yeah. me. I was in and out of the hospital. I kept going in and out. 28 days I stayed in the hospital. And they finally diagnosed me with Crohn's disease after all that. And it was like, okay, God. Like, really? Because like, he said, oh, very rare for people your age to get Crohn's now now. <laughs> oh, sorry, you do. You know? yeah. So then I was even madder because hmm. I had held on to February. February, my life is going to turn around again. Okay. And then it was uh, not good.
0: Hmm. So, yeah, each, each kind of goal that you had had, each time that you set up some hope <laughs> of, like, well, because this is going to be, we're going to get past this hump, and then we're yeah. going to be okay, each time seemed to be the roller coaster went down yeah. further. Deeper. And then maybe a little bit, and then down deeper. He was actually more
1: scared the second time. Hmm. Because they didn't know what was wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. And they were going to operate on me again. They just... He, he just kept saying, I don't know what's wrong with her. Hmm. We're trying. <laughs>
2: I mean, they they kept saying they were gonna that was the only thing left and was to operate again. And I'm really thankful that some of the medical professionals had spoken to us and said, You do not want that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that would be the worst thing that could happen right now is to have another surgery. Hmm.
0: And, and so during that, I, I can't remember the numbers. I don't know. I remember you telling me, Ken, how many, how many days you had spent in the hospital in the course of yeah. that, those six, those, those two months. Did you tell me?
2: Yeah, it was 28 days out of 37. 28
0: days out of 37 yep. in the hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the room, the door of the ER was kind of our meeting spot. yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: And then when I got out of there, yeah. they put me on all those drugs, and these drugs made me blow up like a I don't know what. And <laughs> and my skin was thin, and I had, like, sores all over me. And I yeah. got acne, and my hair was falling out. It was just like I was really not a happy person. Yeah. I was really not happy.
0: Yeah, so so that did, though, begin some steps toward at least being in the hospital less, yeah. right? So yeah. so during you, – you shared a little bit, but, but just um, – you know talk about a little what what was your emotional journey as you started to get better a little bit and and we've talked about how this was an experience we haven't dove into this yet right now but it was an experience in both feeling the absence of God but also the presence of God beginning to break through in in new ways so why don't you talk about both of you your emotional journey as this happened and and maybe where you were starting to see God, even in the even in the dark as you look back now, where you saw the presence of God or where it was absent and why it was so difficult. You said you want to start with the
1: absence. I did, I did want to start. Yeah. I was mad. So I was angry at God. God. Yeah. Very angry at God. It was kind of good that out of doing this, like yesterday we sat and talked about, because like I haven't really, I don't think about it a lot. I like to forget about it. I used to be, oh, I, I almost died. I almost died. That was mm-hmm. like, who I was. Yeah. And I was like, no, I don't want to be I almost died. I want to be I'm alive. I'm well. I'm healthy now. But um I was really angry. The darkness was awful. Like when he would leave me at night in the hospital, it was just an eternity. And but when I saw God, it was in so many different ways. Like the staff, the nurses were like angels to me. Mm-hmm. They were so good. Friends came out of Friends, I didn't even know were friends. Like, seriously, like people I barely knew started bringing food, and just there was so many, so much compassion, and it was like. Then I realized God was sending all those people to me. You know that they were showing, you know, they gave, gave compassion, they gave caring, and his bosses took over his classes, his classes, and taught them for him, so he could stay with me. I mean, there was a million things. I can't yeah. <laughs> remember yeah. all the things people did. That's why I was writing all this stuff down. I was like, can I, I, mean, I remember
2: it all? In a lot of the darkness, for me, I, I almost, I didn't feel like I had permission to be angry. I didn't have permission mm-hmm. to be devastated. I had to be her cheerleader. I had to mm-hmm. be hopeful. And...
1: He faked it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. We got this. We got this. I was like, we don't have this. I kept
1: saying, we don't have this. We don't know what we're doing. He had so much medical stuff he had to do for me. <laughs> like People would say, do you have medical training? <laughs> and he was like, no, I'm learning on the job. You know. Like, but he was really good at it. He got really <laughs> good at all the IVs I had to use and all the stuff. He was good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But,
0: hmm. yeah. So... I think the, the one thing he mentioned is, is interesting to me about beginning to realize that it was God, God at work um, mm-hmm. through people. And I think we have this tendency in our lives, and I'm not sure why, but to, to decide that there's, there's a clear difference between God working and people being loving, right. which, you know, I, I, I sometimes wonder if that's the reason that Paul began to call the church the body of Christ, <laughs> so, that, so that we wouldn't be able to, to just say, well, where is God? when the body of Christ is actually serving and loving and caring and, and sometimes when we don't have the capacity to see God in the metaphysical level, right? <laughs> our spirits are so beaten down that we can't even lift our heads to look around that, that God meets us sometimes through, through people right. and, uh, and offers that, that sustenance in some ways. Uh, so so let's, let's turn the corner just a little bit. Uh, I had asked... Well, well, actually, do you want to share a little bit? She just kind of, you know, tossed the volleyball over to you by, by saying that you were, you know, feeling like you had to be strong. Like, where where were you at with your own faith and hopefulness in the midst of, of this?
2: So Again, I, there were so many people that began to show up, um, and... You know friends that would just come and sit with me and she didn't want to see anybody she didn't want anybody to see her so i would go downstairs and just meet people in the lobby because i needed somebody to to reassure me (laughs) if you will that things are going to be okay and to continue to have faith because it was really dark (laughs) and um you know people reached out all the time i mean Text, emails, phone
0: I, calls. I remember
2: hearing some stories of people going
0: bas- past the hospital and just stopping in the lobby to pray yep. just for a little while. Yep. And then moving on, even if they didn't get to a chance to see you, that was really touching yeah. to me to hear that within our community. It really was. Hmm. Well, well as, as you started to gain your own strength back, Denise, um, and, and as I asked you both to reflect on kind of as you looked at the story of Jesus coming, that we see in the Gospels, what strikes you as yeah that 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 hope that that speaks to me and uh, and what you what you shared with me a couple days ago was um, was that passage at the end of Zechariah's song, and uh, and this is this is uh, Zechariah again talking about. John the Baptist, you will be called a prophet of the Most High. But but then he goes on and says those final two verses that struck you so deeply, um, of what John would be leading the way to do, um, that uh, that because of God's deep compassion, the dawn from heaven will break upon us to give light to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide us on the path of peace. Why did that speak to you so much? Why was that what struck you as you looked at the scriptures and reflected on your own journey and the story of Jesus coming?
1: Because the people, the people that came brought light. <laughs> and I was, I was so angry and so wanting not to
2: be here <laughs> anymore. And I mean, one of the things that we talked about was were the people we're the couple who gives, we're the people who do for other people. Yeah, you love and, to help
0: out always. And always neither willing. of
2: us are very good at receiving, let alone a meal, a meal, you know, and most of the time it was enough for two, two days. And I remember Denise saying, tell them to stop, I tell them to stop. <laughs> and, and I said, well, let's just do it a couple more days. And I resisted because I found it to be light for me. Um, sometimes those people would come, and we would tell them up front, "You're not going to visit with Denise. You're just dropping a meal off," because yeah. that was her wishes. Cause but I look like that. <laughs> but just them coming in the front door with the food and a hug, and you know, just a smile, was light for me. You know, it was hope, um, was. As you said, it was God, you know entering mm-hmm. into the house and, mm-hmm. and feeling His presence.: uh,
0: So all of that led to a pretty slow journey toward wholeness and health um, in your life, but, um, but one that you are now steadily on. Uh, how are you different? on this side of experiencing the the most hopeless moments of of your own life
1: I I found we found strength that we never knew we had like hmm. it was amazing like people are like I, I was more reflective people telling me like oh you know even my doctors like I, he, he said it's like a miracle you're I could put a poster of you up on 95 like before and after hmm. I get more patients and I was like, oh, well, you know, I had, you know, blah, blah. And he goes, no, you don't understand. People often get a diagnosis, and they just mm-hmm. succumb to it and say, that is my life. I am a sick person. And yeah. he said, you didn't do that. You have strength. You have, you know, determination. And I was like, I guess I do. You know, it was like, because that doesn't, I don't know, feels funny talking about that. But um, I think it it made me... Stop holding grudges from people. Like it's really Mm. weird out of so much crap, literally, physically, in every way. um, I, I learned so much about myself. Like life is so much sweeter now. It really is because I, having gone through that, it's like I appreciate people more. I appreciate my husband more, my daughter Amanda, who was there the whole time fighting battles for me in the ICU, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think God provided what we needed and mm-hmm. we got through it, but and I feel different. I do, I feel different, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And you talked about how, how I was shaped and sent and it was, I said to Ken, oh, sent. Oh, I gotta think about this, what am I? But um, oh. no, but um, it's funny, because I said to him a couple weeks ago, I've done the antique store for 17 years and I said, you know, I want a three year plan of being out of it. And he's like, really? Cause like, that's all we do. We go to sales, we you know, he's like, that is all we do. And I said, yeah. And I don't want that to be all I do in life. You hmm. know, like I want to get out of that and fill it with more meaningful things. Like hmm. I want to give to other people. I want to volunteer. I want to experience life. I don't want to, hmm. oh, did I sell anything today? Like, I don't want that to be an indicator yeah. of whether I'm having a good life or not.
0: Hmm. So there's fresh, fresh vision in your, own, yeah. in your own life about, yeah, the, I, and I've, I've noticed that the two of you are, there's a new sense of intentionality that I've seen in, in your lives that, that you've begun living with, whether that's your own routine of walking many miles together every day or, or the other things that you talk about. Um, Ken, how are you different? And
2: those of you, just to follow up, those of you who know us we have never been gym people. <laughs> the last time we I used the word
1: gym, it was to write a uh, forged excuse to get my mother to get me out of the gym in high school. <laughs> but I have never been in a gym we, before.
2: One of the intentional things that we did in January was we joined a gym. And now we're at the point that if we don't go, <laughs> we <laughs> struggle because it is such an important part of our life weekly routine Hmm. Um, so yeah health wise I mean I just I feel like I have a clearer vision of how to take better care of myself whether it's eating and exercising or just even relaxing Hmm. it's much more intentional that I am thoughtful or meditate or uh, pray Um, I used to again years ago When we were in the triads here, you know, I set my alarm on my phone so that I would intentionally pray every three, you know, three times a day. Mm -hmm. Now I probably pray, and my method of prayer is very different. It doesn't have to be like this massive, you know, know, it just happens Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I feel like that's one of the ways that my faith has really grown and I've been shaped is Mm -hmm. I... It's what I immediately think of doing when I don't know what to do.
0: Hmm. Uh, so within within that, we have talked about how how Advent is kind of a time of preparing ourselves. And the the passage that you chose was about uh, was in the midst of. Zechariah, who was finishing a season of preparation to get himself ready for the next season of raising this baby who was going to become John the Baptist, who is a real wild guy. Um, And John the Baptist spends his childhood. In fact, um, do I, do I have the final, I don't, where's my scriptures? So uh, at the, and verse 30, which was the verse after you were struck by, um, it says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. He lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. And so, so his whole life was a life of preparation in the desert, right? And so there, we talk about desert experiences, yeah? You know, in our lives, experiences of darkness, experiences where you just feel like you're kind of trudging through. So there's this desert experience, then Jesus, and to prepare for the coming of Jesus. Then Jesus comes, and Jesus withdraws in Luke 4 to the desert as a time of preparation for his ministry. So what we end up seeing is that, that pain uh, is preparation. And, and that's a really, and I, I have to qualify that statement because of what ends up happening. And you mentioned, so I'll just pause and let you mention one of the things that you said was not terribly helpful in yeah. the midst of the recovery journey spiritually.
2: <laughs> um, people would actually, not people from life LifePath, but <laughs> other Christian friends would actually say to me or to Denise, how could God do this to you, yeah. meaning what had happened to her yeah. was somehow God's intent and purpose and plan. And I just remember talking to Keith about it, and I knew what we teach and learn here is very different than that, that God is with us, <laughs> but yeah. he does not do things like this to us.
0: Yeah, and that's and, and, and just to get into theology for just a minute. What often happens is that's a, that's a, a, a turning of a statement in, in Romans 8 where in all things God is working for the good of those who love him. And, and that quickly becomes in some minds that, that God is causing everything and therefore God's causing Denise's sickness right. so that she can learn something. Right. Um, but yet every time, and, and there's multiple reasons. Number one, any parent that would intentionally make their child suffer to the point of death, just to teach them a lesson, right. we would say that's, that's horrible. Um, so, so if God's image is a loving father, that doesn't, doesn't match yeah. up. As well as the fact that every single time that Jesus encounters sickness and death and, and sorrow, he is upset by it. He, he, heals. <laughs> he heals it. He's like, I don't like that. I'm going to get rid of it. You're, you're suffering. You're, I'm, I'm going to heal that. I'm so, so, so the kingdom of God is one that is against the things that bring death, like illness and things like that. So the difference here in our theology is that we believe that God is so redemptive, so beautiful, so incredibly in every facet of our lives that even the darkest things that happen to us are not beyond the reach of redemption. That no matter what happens to us, God can and is working to bring good and hope in the midst of it. So therefore, we do not see God as the author of evil, but we absolutely see god as the redeemer of everything you know what what you meant for harm god intended and that word that's that's from that's from um, joseph in in genesis like 50 or 49. god intended meaning god god worked and willed an evil situation and turned good out of it and that's a significant difference right so a little bit of an encouragement friends when people are going through difficult times to suggest that God is the source of their pain while also saying that God is the comforter of their pain <laughs> is actually not helpful and it often causes confusion. And on, on, on the top level, it can bring us a sense of, of peace because we feel like, well, God's in control. Uh, but let's not sacrifice the character of God for that definition of what it means for God to be right. in control. Um, and, and so we understand that there are battles going on. We understand that we live in a broken world where not everything that happens is God's will. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have told us for us to pray for God's will. Right. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Means that it's not always, the kingdom isn't always present. God's will is not always done. That's what we are here for. We are here to partner with God in, sorry, I'm getting super preachy. I'm supposed to just sit and <laughs> ask. Um, I like you much <laughs> okay. So back to the, the main point though. if, if within that caveat, if we understanding that desert experiences are times of preparation, right. that pain actually prepares us in some ways to be able to express the will of God, the heart of God in some new way. And you hinted at this a little bit, but what do you, what do you think that God might be and having been using this whole experience to, to prepare you for?
1: He's he's made me com- more compassionate to other people. Um, I, I with this wellness thing, I I've been going to the. Uh, You're good. That's Noah. great. He's like. <laughs> um, That's Denise. Yeah. I I went to a nutritionist. I went to a wellness coach. I got hooked up on this class, and it was about exercise and all this. So, like, I've gotten kind of gung-ho about it. If you're not mm-hmm. my friend on Facebook, you're like, yeah. But, um, <laughs> um, but it, interesting, like, last night I went to somewhere, and somebody came up to me and said, I know you don't really know me. She's a friend on Facebook. But, I mean, she, I don't really know her that well. Mm-hmm. She was behind me in school, and she was like, I prayed for you the whole time you were in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. And she was like... And I want to tell you, keep writing all that stuff on Facebook because you're encouraging me so much because like no matter how bad things are, I think you got through that and you're you're like, and I can get through what I'm going Mm. through. And I was like, so like, I try to be encouraging. Mm.
0: So let's talk about the experience that you didn't have for just a minute. Um, You came out of your pain. I did. Yeah. That doesn't happen for everybody. That's not everybody's story. And some of the people in here, you know, have dealt with chronic pain. And, and, and um, that may not subside the side of eternity. Um, in the midst of those hopeless moments, what encouragement would you, would you give to those that are, are learning to walk with physical, emotional darkness, pain? I rambled some stuff
1: down here. I don't know. When darkness comes in your lives, keep the faith that God will be with you every second. Look for the light. Count your blessings. God will use people to help you and support you. Accept help. Show gratitude. Don't take life for granted. Don't take people for granted. Have faith. Life is messy but wonderful.
0: (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Ken, did you want to add any thoughts to that?
2: Yeah, I mean... I had a hard time in the very beginning seeing any light because I thought I was going to lose her. But those rays of light that kept coming to me, um, and I didn't ask for them, but I was able to start focusing on those rays of light. And and you were one of those rays, and many people in this church were... um, so i just I would encourage you to make sure you don't overlook and be humble be be able to accept help. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to really fight Denise on that one, and in the end it was it was really good um,
1: I was trying to block people out. I just wanted to be in a hole yeah i I feel no. bad now that I didn't realize that you were getting something from those people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, this, is, this is the, the journey, though, that, that we are on, is that when we look back at, at those moments, sometimes it's easier to see right. than when we're in the midst of those moments. And wow. so, so could, one of the ways that we living, build faith yeah. is by talking about this right now. Yeah. Because instead of somebody who's walking through a really difficult time of pain and saying well, that's great that you're out of it. Um, we, we speak the truth of presence, of both our commitment to each other, to walk through dark times together, but, but also the hope that, that God, God does indeed show up and, and, and transforms our pain. And sometimes that pain goes away, and sometimes it doesn't, and we become transformed in the midst of it so that, it does, so that we do not begin to think that I am the tragedy. Everybody's a story, and my story's a tragedy. And that's, that's just the story. That's not the story of God, of Emmanuel, of God with us, of Jesus coming into our world. That there's no pain that we can walk with, even permanently, in the way that we define that, that, that defines us in a way that is more definitive than, than the words of Jesus and the words of the Father to us, that we are beloved, that we are valuable, that we are worth dying for. And, and that message begins to transform us even if the pain doesn't go away. Um, because there will be things, and, and I know there's still things that you will walk with, well, you know. I the emotional trauma first. is a very real thing, um, but also, yeah, the, the, that took something out of you. Literally. Literally, yes. <laughs> you have less organs now. I have a lot less <gasps> uh, organs, yeah. Yeah, and so there's, there's that, that truth, but those, those things, even though we get to celebrate the goodness of, of, of restoration physically in this way, that's not the whole story of hope that's not why you're here. Not just because you're, you're healthier now. Um, it's because through this process, your, your perspectives and your faith was able to be deepened by seeing God at work even in the midst of, of the most hopeless situations that you can think of.
1: I think I learned also, you like having control is a really, really a joke. Illusion. (laughs) Illusion. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We don't have control. And I, I've always been like, I, I thought I had a lot of control. And I think that's what hit me so hard is because I had no control. Hmm. Even my body betrayed me. I had no control over anything. Yeah. And I realized that God really was in control. And I when,
0: and when we embrace that reality, uh, even though it's a hard one, that, that we can't control it. what happens to yes. us each day. We can control how we respond, but we can't control... How much more intentionality does that create us with the desire to live with? You know, if I know... And, and we talk about this a lot for some strange reason, but if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, like...
1: You've been hit by a bus so many times <laughs> in sermons. But anyway... No I know.
0: One. I know. Sorry, constantly giving you, you all that image. But like, if, if that's what happens, and I can't control that, what I can control is the moments that I live until that point. Until. How, how available I am to God. How compassionate I am right now. You mentioned becoming more compassionate, you know. Like, the idea that somehow going through physical pain... And, and then healing from that makes you want to forgive other people more. <laughs> just think uh, yeah, about I know the know way. I exactly, I, I but. Do it, not but it's it. because of what God does in the moments where we are so raw and vulnerable. and that's why pain can become preparation for the next phase of our lives of maturity in Christ and, and stuff. And so um, So that should be just as an encouragement as we, as we kind of wrap these things up. Let that be an encouragement if that's where you are at this morning. If you feel pain, and that's what seems to be on the forefront of your mind. That, that may very well be something that God uses to be able to, to speak love and truth in a new way to other people, to be encouraging. Um, and, and, and just don't give up this idea. I think sometimes we think, uh, I want to just share a, a scripture, not from Hebrews, we'll skip that one, um, but, but from Romans in chapter 24. Uh, For in this hope we were saved um, is the idea that, listen, and, and then he says, hope that is seen is no hope at all. So, so if you're saying, well, I'm hopeless because I don't, see, I don't see any light. Like, that's, as long as you keep walking, that's what hope is. You know, uh, hope is not easy. It's, it's continuing to, to trust and stay connected with God in the midst of not seeing anything in those. So who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We can continue to walk knowing that one day all things will be set right in this world, in this life. We will have limited moments of redemption. And we celebrate them when, we come, when, when they come because they are glimpses of what God will do one day over all of creation. Restoring all things. Restoring our bodies. Restoring the brokenness right. of our world. And that gives us hope even when we don't see it right now in our lives. Uh, so I'm, I'm really thankful for the two of you to provide um, a willingness to, to share. Did you want to give any final encouragements?
1: It wasn't a willingness.
0: I <laughs>
2: anyway. did. Bless you
0: bought wow. No, you did say, you that, run, you say no. If you run, I can catch you. Yes, <laughs>
1: it was like that.
0: You have your ways. <laughs> well, and and uh, yeah, no. go ahead. Ken, did you want to say anything?
1: I'm sorry, I made you. He <laughs> yeah. well, no killed
0: the moment, Denise. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I do that a lot. No way.
1: <laughs> but hmm. no, life okay. is good. Hmm. And I think uh, all the things that have happened in the last two years, like, blessings that I've had and a new grandson and just so many things and I think, God you wanted you wanted to not be here for that like hmm. Hmm. I can't believe how dark it was hmm. but now life is good yeah yeah
2: and I think if you are a caretaker or someday are a caretaker it's really important to allow those people that are trying to help you take care of yourself to, to come in and <laughs> to be able to accept it and um, and recognize it because I think it took me a while it took me a while to, to recognize it and to realize that they were God coming into my life and lifting me up Yeah, whether that's
0: physical or emotional whether yeah. that's a meal or like just pray, pray for me. Yep. <laughs> you know, which can be as difficult to ask for yeah. as as receiving a, yeah, a dinner that, or a ride or at
2: that know. point in our in that twenty-eight days, it was almost daily that I was begging people to pray. Because mm-hmm. it was like I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. So
0: hmm. well, uh, well we remember that one of the primary stories in the hopes of Isaiah is that people that walking in darkness, have seen a great light. That's Isaiah 9-2, and that was the story of Jesus coming. It's constantly linked to what what the the prophets told. And so Jesus continues to come into our world, continuing to bring hope in pain, just like the first time. And, uh, And we are thankful for that. So thanks to both of you for sharing your hearts and your spirits.